You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Remain standing as I read three scriptures, one from two versions, but 1 John 4 and 4, 1 John 4 and 4, New King James says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That verse from the New Living Translation reads, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Everybody say, I ain't scared of those people. (laughs) You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And then this one, I hadn't originally added this as part of this message, but the Lord woke me up this morning with it on my mind, Romans, the 8th chapter, and verse 31, that ask a question, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who? I wish a devil would. If God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, on your way down to your seat, look at your neighbor and tell him, you have the advantage. You have the advantage. You have the advantage. Let me say a couple things before I get into the message before I forget. This week is our thanks, it's Thanksgiving week. Yes, it's here this week. Thanksgiving week, and uh, some may be traveling, but all of us who are here, when I say here, I mean here in town. Well, I got, I got family coming in. Tell family we go to church first. Tell them, well, we come, come, tell them, come on in early and meet me at church first. 10 o'clock is our service. We're out, we're out definitely by 12 o'clock, 10 o'clock on uh, Thursday morning. I know we call these holidays, but remember, the root word of holiday starts with holy day. So it's just another day, a secular day, unless you put Jesus in it and keep God in it. And, if, and on Thanksgiving, I don't believe that the sin is or to outdo the saints in giving God thanks. Amen. So we have a Thanksgiving service. I know for some of you that's new, but you're at right direction now. Now you're doing stuff right. Amen. So we have service Thursday, Thanksgiving morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Wednesday, we will only have 12 noon service. On Wednesday night, we know you need to prepare. You you can't be microwaving um, Thanksgiving dinner. So you need to prepare. Everybody say preparation. Okay, no, 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 you ain't not supposed to have frozen stuff, none of that on Thanksgiving. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just playing. Uh, but, well, so we're giving you time to prepare. Wednesday night, you can prepare, but Thursday morning, join us for service. All right. So I'm starting this series today. I thought I was, uh, I didn't finish my last message. I'm going to work it into to this or something else the other parts that I wanted to talk about, changing God's financial system. But I ended, let me see the single ladies. Let me see the single ladies. Put, put your hands up. Okay. okay. Those of you here Friday tonight, I ended on a point that I hope y'all got the point after the point. 
Because otherwise you're left depressed. You're left despondent. Because I said in the case of single women, specifically single African-American women. By the way, y'all, ladies, I, I can't, I'm, I'm just saying this to acknowledge him, okay? Remember the brother I took my financial advisor, I told you about him? He here, y'all. I ain't going to tell y'all who he is, though. I ain't going to tell y'all. Because when I start talking about him, y'all talking about, does, is it, does it go here? So I, to keep him safe, but I just want to tell you, thank you for joining us for service today. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. But I got to keep him safe from these single sisters. <laughs> uh, but I said that specifically in the case of African-American women, and I, and which was all, for the most part, African-American, and well, or, or maybe should I say black, because we have some who are not necessarily African-Americans with us, uh, but women of color. Uh, and I, I asked them to raise their hand on Friday how many had, had a degree, a bachelor's degree. I would say 95% of the hands went up. I asked how many have a graduate degree. About 90% of the hands went up. Now, I'm not going to ask that how many brothers in here have bachelor's degrees and master's degree because at, in the African-American community, um, in terms of education level, um, our sisters are far outranking us. Okay? That, that's true. But that doesn't mean a man's not a good man because he don't have a degree. Some of your sisters, I, I didn't get a chance to get into all that on Friday. Okay? Because some, some, some of you, some of you, you, want the, you want the ambitious, the, 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 the experimental, the always let's try this and this. And some of you, you're going to realize the, the years, more, more years gone, some of those brothers you looked over who wasn't on the basketball team. <clears throat> Someone who wasn't the jock in high school, okay? That steady Eddie brother. You're going to thank God for Steady Eddie later, okay? okay. Uh, j j just like I heard somebody say many times, um, the A students end up working for the C students. Don't, don't underrate the underrated. Um, and so from a statistical standpoint, if you were looking for an, for an African-American woman, if you're looking for an African-American man with your same education status, the chances of that are going to be, become slim and slimmer, particularly as you get older, okay? In some cases, even having the same, uh, uh, even in the same economic level view, that becomes less and less. But that's what you want. But let me tell you, all across America, this is not just an African-American issue. In just about... All colleges today, most of the, most of the new enrollment is 70% women and 30% men. And even by the time they graduate, it's still about the same. 70% of, of women and 30% men. And so if you think, well, I can't, I, well, look, don't look like I'll, I, can, I can get married to somebody who, who's my peer, who, who could, you know, I, I said to my daughter, and, and she brought out something. I said, uh, I, when years ago, I was saying, you know, don't have to necessarily have a man with a degree and all. She said, yeah, don't have to have a degree, but we need to be able to have a conversation. I hear you, sisters. Amen, I hear you. And so if you look at that in the natural, and I think I said this, the odds are against you. 
from a natural standpoint. And if we only look at things from the natural standpoint, the odds are against most of us in this room. Amen. The statistical odds are against minorities in this country, people of color in this country, statistically. But we walk by faith, not by statistics, not by sight. And so, as we go through life, whether it's about you getting married, single ladies, whether it's about you having been, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they used to always say, they were saying about, about millennials that, that they won't be able to have the same income or live as good as their parents. How many of y'all heard that? They were talking, that, that was a, they were saying, it looks like uh, they, they're not going to be able to live as good as your parents. You're not going to be able to retire well. And you can listen to all these natural, dismal statistics, or you can, you can have a V8 and say, but I'm a believer. And so I want to talk to you today from the subject, the believer's advantage. As a believer, you have an advantage in life, in society, in America, on your job, in your city, in your state, in your country, because you are a believer. Somebody put your head back and say, thank God I'm a believer. So the text I read here said, you are of God, little children. Don't you forget that. You have already overcome them. You've already overcome them. You've already overcome the odds. You are already walking in victory. Why have you already? Because the greater one lives on the inside of you, because greater is he who is in you than, who's in, than the one who's in the world. You've already won the victory over those people. Whatever people you think are against you. Women think the man's against them. Men sometimes think women against them. Black men think the white man's against them. The, the uh, Arabs feel the Jews against them. Jews feel the Arabs against them. And we have all these different sectors of society. Republicans think uh, the Democrats against them. Democrats think the Republicans. And so Many times we're looking for someone, if we're not looking for someone, people are trying to show us someone who is the person who's holding us back and keeping us down. But the scripture tells us in 1 John 4 and 4 from the New Living Translation, you've already won a victory over those people, whoever those people are. And all of us see those people as different. Whoever those people, you, you put in the category of those people, you've already won the victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You have a greater spirit in you. And we walk this life in, as Christians, as believers, we are not going through life as natural people having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual people having a natural experience. Let me say that again. You are not a, spirit, a natural person having a spiritual experience when you come to church. Some of you, you're limiting the, your spiritual experience to church. You are a spirit. God is a spirit. He created us in his image. He and we are spirits. We are spirits. We are born, uh, we are born again spirits. We are spirits. Watch this. We have a soul and we dwell in this body. But we are spirits. 
That's why your body is not who you are. I mean, I keep trying to explain that to my wife sometimes. I'm more than a body. Stop looking at me just as attractive flesh. I have a mind and a spirit. You need to be intimate with all of me. Romans 8.31 tells us, if God be for us, watch this. I'm going to give you another way to look. If God be for us, put that up, Romans 8.31. What shall we say to all these things, all these statistics, all these odds, all these contrary points? What, what, shall, what should be our response? If God be for us, what statistic can be against us? If God be for us, who? Who can stop us? Who can keep us from rising? Who can keep us from being the head and not the tail? Who can keep us from being above and not beneath? Who can keep us from, from, from being in the top echelon of whatever endeavor, whatever field that we are tempted to go in and that God has called us to be successful in? So I'm speaking from the subject, Believer's Advantage, and I've given it even a subtitle. I'm not sure if they put the subtitle up. And the subtitle is an advantage mentality because we are believers and have and are believe we have to approach life and go through life with an advantage mentality with an advantage mentality in other words I go in already knowing I'm going to win when my son uh, Tyler was running for city council one of the people endorsing him and helping him campaign is one of our current city councilors who I, who, who I got to know, and we, we, we had a lot of good time together on the campaign trail. <laughs> um, Councilman McDowell, who's also a retired pastor. And uh, he kept saying, listen, y'all need to vote for him. He said, now, he said, I'm out here campaigning. He said, but... Nobody's running against me. I'm unopposed. So watch it. He was campaigning, but he already had the advantage. He said, I'm unopposed. In other words, he couldn't lose. You got to really look like and act like and operate from standpoint, I'm unopposed. The Spirit of God's with me. I haven't, so that gives you an advantage mentality. Advantage is a condition or circumstance that puts one in a favorable or superior position. Come on, I'm, 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 not, I'm going to challenge you this morning. I need to get this in your spirit. Say this, say, God has put me in a favorable and superior position than the world. Glory to God. Well, 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 you know, banks don't loan money for this. Uh, well, 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 you know, nobody's going to support that. Well, you know, uh, 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 people aren't building churches like that anymore. Well, 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 well you know, the statistics say, uh, uh, no, 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 I, I, I'm not listening to that because God has put me in a favorable and superior position. As believers living in this fallen world, we must be prepared to fight. And you're going to have to fight as long as you're in this earth realm, as long as you're in this earth suit. That's why 1 Timothy 6 and 12, it tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Everybody says a good fight. 
Now, the reason why, the reason why it's a good fight is because it's fixed. You didn't catch that. We fight the good fight because it's a good fight because it's fixed. It's a good fight because we're supposed to always win. It's a good fight because God is on our side. It's a good fight because no weapon formed against you will prosper. It's a good fight because of God before you, who can be against you? Fight the good fight and lay hold of on eternal life, which is the kind of life God wants you to have. And the life that God wants you to have is a life with nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, but I got to fight the good fight of faith for it because the devil doesn't want you to know that the fight is fixed. The devil wants you to think that he has the upper hand because if you think he has the upper hand, you won't walk in your authority to bind and loose. Where unto thou art called? I'm called to a good life, eternal life that started when I received Jesus and I profess this good profession among many witnesses. Somebody shout, it's a good fight. So since we have to fight, it's important that we fight life's battles from the standpoint, from the paradigm and from the mindset of victory because we've already won. Say that, say, I've already won. The reason that the children of Israel in the Old Testament and Exodus didn't go at once to take the land when Joshua and Caleb came back out of the 12 spies, those two came back with a positive report. They said, yes, it's a good land. Here's the fruit of it. Here's the grapes. I'm, my goodness, it really is a land that flows with milk and honey. The 10 said, but, 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 but the giants in the land, and they're going to eat our lunch, and, and, uh, uh, and we're, we're grasshoppers in our own sight. The problem was that they could not win the battle. The problem was that they had a loser's mentality. And Joshua and Caleb had a victor's mentality. Joshua and Caleb had a winning mentality. Joshua and Caleb had an advantage mentality. Numbers 13, 30, and 31, when they're complaining, saying what we can't do, Caleb said, he tried to tell the people, shut up. He stilled the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once. Stop, stop, stop all this negative meditation. You all realize worry is negative meditation. Believe me, the worst is going to happen. Let's, let, let, come on, come on, let, get, get yourself together. Let's go up at once and possess it. Take it, make it ours. Why? Because we are well able to overcome it. We have the advantage. But the men that went up said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than us. One had an advantage, victor's mentality. One realized we're fighting from the place of advantage. One realized we're, placing, we're fighting from a place of victory. And the other one saw the people greater than them. The problem was not ability. The problem was mentality. Now, I'm going to prove this to you. If they went up, they would have been in the land 40 years prior. Instead of just Joshua and Caleb going in. And the reason why it took 40 years, because God said, I'm going to let them live out their years, but they're going to die in this wilderness. So they died in the wilderness because they didn't have a mentality to go possess what God said they were supposed to have and live as God wanted them to live. So 40 years later, when they finally get ready to go in, Joshua sends spies as well. Joshua 2, verse 9, 
And on the way, spying out the city, they stopped by this woman's Rahab house. Okay? Some people say Rahab was a harlot. Some say Rahab was a prostitute. But do not insult Rahab by calling her a prostitute or a harlot. Rahab was the madam. Rahab ran the whole joint. The harlots and the prostitute worked for Rahab. Rahab was a boss. Are y'all hearing me here? So they stopped by there, and they stopped by there first, and I'm sure they stopped by there because they wanted to witness to Rahab and the, and the women's who was in Rahab's house and let them know that Jehovah is God. I'm sure that's why they stopped by there. Anyway, they're there, and they have a conversation with Rahab. And look what Rahab tells them, Joshua 2, starting in verse 9, New, New King James Version. Rahab says, I know the Lord has given you the land. Watch this. No, they haven't marched around Jericho. They have, they have a, the, 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 the walls aren't down yet. They, uh, they, 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 uh, uh, they haven't fought one battle. They haven't killed one soldier. But she said, I know the Lord has given you the land. And the terror of you has fallen on us. Listen to it. She told them, we're already scared of you. And, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted ha- faint because of you. Everybody's already scared. Why are they scared? Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When did that happen? 40 years ago. You're not catching this. We heard 40 years ago that God had given you the advantage. We heard 40 years ago that you would come in any minute to take our land and ain't no sense us even trying to put up a fight. Verse 11, as soon as we heard these things, 40 years ago, our hearts melted. So watch this. She describes the men, uh, the people, of Jericho, she describes the people in the promised land as faint-hearted, as terrorized. She defines them with people who have melted hearts. It said, neither did there remain any more courage. She defined them as courageless, as having no courage. For those of us who some of y'all don't even know where that come from, like the Wizard of Oz but, or the Wheat. Some, I, I, I was talking to somebody, had they, had they ever seen the Wizard of Oz? I talked to a young person one time. They said, Wizard of Oz? I said, yeah, Wizard of Oz. And I kept, I said, you know, it had a, li- uh, had, had a lion and a scarecrow. Oh, so they said, oh, the Wiz. <laughs> they know about the Wizard of Oz, but they knew the Wiz, okay? Remember the lion and the Wiz? He lacked courage. And that's what she says about the people in, the, in, in Jericho. Neither did there remain any more courage in us because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. You need to understand, for 40 years, they have not gone into the land because 40 years ago they thought they couldn't do it. But the people in the land were waiting for them to come take it. 
You need to get a revelation. They already had the advantage if they just moved forward. There wasn't going to be any opposition. The people, they already had like, for, for 40 years, they've been waiting for them to come and take it. Oh, come on. Here's a revelation. What you're scared to go get is scared you're going to come get it. What you're scared to go for is scared you're going to go for it. Because there is no opposition when you operate with an advantage mentality and you recognize as a believer, I have the advantage. Say that, as a believer, I have the advantage. Okay, 2 Corinthians, 2nd chapter, verse 11. Say it again, say, I have the advantage. 2 Corinthians 2, 11, in the context, he's saying we need to forgive people and let stuff go. Say, because we don't forgive people and let stuff go, it'll cause us not to have the advantage. So 2 Corinthians 2 11, after he says, forgive anyone you need to forgive, he says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. In other words, saying, you need to know you already got the advantage. Lest Satan should get the advantage over you, don't put yourself in a position to be disadvantaged. In the context, he's saying, when you, when you got stuff in your heart, holding stuff against people, contaminating your faith, short-circuiting the anointing. He said the, the devil gets the advantage of you. But what I want you to see here is that Satan doesn't have the advantage. We have the advantage. That verse from the Amplified says to keep Satan, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us. To keep Satan from getting the advantage means we already have the advantage, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and his attention. So one of the things that the devil wants to do He's trying to flip the script because he knows that the script already says you have the advantage. So you're not even trying to flip the script. You're just trying to walk the script out. You're not catching it. You don't have to flip the script. Just walk out your part because the script's already been written. The pattern's already been set. You have victory. For your family, for your children, for your finances, for your body, for your business, for your careers, whatever opposition you have, if you are a believer, you operate in life from a position of advantage. Oh, let me use another word. Let me use another word that we've been hearing over the last few years. You operate from a position of privilege. Y'all know when we think of privilege, we think of particular people with a particular skin color. When we think of privilege, we think of people who've been born, quote unquote, with a silver spoon in their mouth. You need to understand, as a child of God, you are the privileged. It's, it's just a different mentality. Come on, somebody say, I'm privileged because I'm a child of God. When you received Jesus, got saved and born again, you already won. You won the moment you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this, I'm not fighting for the victory. I'm not battling for the victory. Jesus has already given me 
the victory. So every day that I live, I got to wake up saying, I'm going to live in my victory today. I am a victorious believer. There's some churches that name that victorious believer. I am a victorious believer. And because I'm a believer, I'm victorious. So every day you get up, today God's going to show himself strong, and I'm going to walk out victory. I'm going to walk out victory at work. I'm going to walk out. I, I did what, what I do the other day. I did something. It, it didn't require all that. Pa Pastor Marcy tried to fuss at me. But I, I you know, I, it, was, it was something I, I, I turned. But, I was going, but the man, okay, I'm, I'm turning into on, on harvest, and I was going to this particular place, and uh, one lane had stopped. And the other guy, guy just coming too fast, and I pulled. And so he had to, and on, a, and on the way by, he blew the horn at me real hard, and he wanted to let me know that I'm number one. And I received that I'm number one. Okay? On the road, you don't have to rage. You got victory. Don't let people pull you down to their level. Just keep walking out your victory. Now, it, now, yeah, I, I, I probably, I, you know, but he was just coming too fast. But, you know, I, yeah, I did something, but it didn't warrant all that. Sometimes you, sometimes you get in battles, it just doesn't warrant all that. We all know that when women marry, in order for marriage to work, everybody realized, he don't sense me fighting this battle. Your husband ever say something, your wife say something, you say, okay. Fine, you're, you're right. Anybody, oh, y'all scared because you're sitting by your husband and your wife, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just say, okay. You realize there's no sense even opening this up. It's not that important. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can have the victory in this one. <laughs> we call that choosing your battles, right? It's important that you go into every battle, every challenge, every apparent opposition with an advantage mentality with the, that I'm a believer so I have victory. Deuteronomy 20. Deuteronomy 20, 1 through 4, Scripture says, when you go into battle, not if, when. If you live in this natural world, there are going to be some battles. Okay? And any believer who tells you that is not giving you the full paradigm of Christianity. I just saw you have to fight the good fight of faith. There's going to be battles. We got promises for all believers. We have promises for our children. We have promises that our children, because they're taught of the Lord, great's going to be their peace. We have promises that the seed of the righteous is going to be delivered. We have promises that all our kids need supposed to be met. Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his. Are, are those promises in the word? And yet you got a battle for your seed. But you should be battling from the standpoint of knowing all those scriptures. When you battle from the standpoint of knowing the promise, you battle from the standpoint of saying, it's just a matter of time. It's not if I win. It's not if I see the manifestation, it's when I see the manifestation because I already got a promise of how this is going to end.
If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content, as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for Marriage, Faith, and Family Inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.